Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. is Jason Wendroff Raniki. Jason is a bereaved sibling and registered yoga teacher through the National Yoga Alliance. He also holds a Master of Arts in Psychology from Teachers College, Columbia University. The synthesis of his training in psychology with the healing work of yoga is achieved in a form of energy healing called polarity therapy. He received his polarity therapy from the Open Center in New York City and an Associate Polarity Practitioner Certificate from the American Polarity Therapy Association. Through the belief that we all have the power to heal ourselves, Jason guides his students and clients to healing through self-discovery. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thank you, Rebecca and Gloria. Great to be here. It's great to have you on the show today. I'm I'm very excited about it. We... um, kind of met earlier through your parents who were involved um, with the, what, chapter in Long Island? The Staten Island. I mean, Staten Island, yeah. yeah. And and Heidi um, got involved with them, and uh, we heard about you and the fact that you were doing yoga. And we're very excited and wanted you to um, get involved, and you went to the national conference this year, right? Yes, yes, we went to, um, my wife and I and another colleague presented a workshop at the at the national conference, which was really... Really wonderful to uh, to inc- be able to incorporate uh, the work of yoga into into your, the compassionate friends. Yeah, and you did uh, a workshop in the morning. I mean, an early morning yoga that I went to practice, and it was really uh, wonderful. It's a, it was a great way to start the day. But before we get talking about yoga, tell us a little bit about your grief journey and about your sister Lauren. Sure. My my grief journey actually started on, you know, June 29th in 1998 when Lauren was 24 and I guess I was 27 uh, when she died in a car accident. Um, unfortunately, she, well, she was the only one in the car at the time and that just really sort of set me for a loop because I, I haven't really even had experience with death prior to her her own passing and then it just really hit me like a ton of bricks. But uh, luckily, I was practicing yoga a little, like maybe about two years or so before um, before she passed away. Oh, that's and, interesting. So you were already into yoga. Yeah, I, was, I, I just happened to get into yoga um, at a gym that um, that I belonged to. I was looking for a sort of different kind of workout, and um, and so I was practicing yoga maybe two years before she passed. And until that, like they used like. The languaging that they use in the class is very sort of foreign to me, you know, like when the yoga teacher would say, you know, uh, connect with the universe or connect with your breath. And I was just there for the physical workout at the time. And all of the other stuff sort of really didn't make sense to me until, like, I started to, you know, until I, until I needed it when, uh, when Lauren passed away. And then all of a sudden, like, all of that information sort of started to make sense to me. Well, hopefully we can take some of that information and be able to kind of boil it down to a simplistic level and um, give our audience out there some some ideas of things that you, they can do personally. Um, I just wanted to say that um, the New England Journal of Medicine had an article out, and I think it might be in the last one. They actually took two groups of people, 
women who had breast cancer, um, who were breast cancer survivors, or were still still in treatment, I believe, <clears throat> and they took one of the, they divided them, took one group who were in treatment and taught them yoga. They had a yoga instructor there. And then the other group they did nothing with, and they found that the group that did yoga was much better off as far as their feelings of well-being right. and well, their comfort levels. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see how, you know, how that, how that, that would absolutely be, uh, be the case. Mm-hmm. So, um, do you do, do you, have you done anything specifically with bereavement before? Uh, I'm just starting to do that sort of work. Um, I have been part of actually some programs that weren't specifically bereavement sort of oriented, but in doing those sort of self-awareness types of programs, really got me in touch with my own grief and my and giving me the permission and the acceptance to accept when I'm sad or when I need to express myself and really allow me to feel my own emotions rather than sort of hiding or blocking them away or saying, oh, they're no good. Yeah, that's an interesting thing because I think that we Westerners, um, um, Americans, which is mainly our audience right now, but this goes all over the world, are uh, people who are very head-oriented. And I think a lot of people who use computers and are listening to the show are probably very much thinking kind of people, wouldn't you say, Rebecca? Yeah, I would. What is yoga? I mean, I have people telling me, I do happen to have my own practice, and I tell people I'm doing yoga, and they look at me like, yeah, isn't that something from India, or isn't that some weird thing? And so what would you say to our folks out there? Do you want to address that one first, Rebecca? Uh, um, yeah, I think that um, the, the definition of yoga is union, and it's the, the union of the mind, body, and spirit. So I think movement with the breath. So it's more than just a physical. There's a, it's a, there's a deeper um, level. And, and for many people, like Jason was saying, it starts out as kind of a physical workout, but uh, the more that you practice, the more that you realize you're integrating the breath, and you're also uh, tapping into the emotions and the spirit um, of uh, the body and the, and the poses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for even to continue that sort of definition a little further, the the thing that sort of has evolved in the United States as being yoga is just one small branch of yoga called Hatha Yoga, which which Hatha translates into sun and moon. So it's really the union of your masculine and feminine qualities, all the opposites, your your left and right hemispheres of your brain, your central nervous system. So. But there are other branches of yoga as well that really incorporate lifestyle. There are cleansing practices. So, so even though um, yoga in the United States is, we, we just see the hatha yoga part of it, it really is more all-encompassing. And the, the most beautiful definition that, that I like to use is that, the, um, that yoga is to go to a place where you've never been before. So to really find where your edges are and start to sort of push it a little bit and go and expand yourself a little further than than you. Wow, Jason, that really brings up something for me because our whole audience has gone to a place they've never been before. And maybe what yoga is doing for us, for people who are bereaved, is helping us learn how to survive in that place. Right. Because we are not in a good space. I'm thinking that one of the things that I lost, and I don't know about you two, if you think back, you lose the full breath when you have the trauma. Right. 
it becomes, um, if you think about it, the breath kind of goes up in the chest and you forget to breathe. You forget to breathe. You hold your breath. Mm-hmm. You know, you do all sorts of things like that. And the audience can think about it now that they are probably breathing from way from their upper chest. So not to discourage them about the whole yoga practice, I wondered if maybe today we're going to want to concentrate on the breath a little bit. And uh, Absolutely. I think um, that is the key because the breath is not what, not only does it have a lot of physical benefits of oxygenating the body, getting the muscles working properly, it, it relaxes the nervous system, so it has all these physiological effects, but it also is the main connector of um, of your your body with your spirit with who you are like more than just your physical body um, when we, when you work on breathing techniques they call them in Sanskrit pranayama which is really controlling your life force so when you control your life force you inevitably it's the control of the breath and letting it flow in and out of the body very fluidly so so, so you two give us a couple of breath exercises that I can do. I'm sitting in my chair right now. What could I do sitting in my chair? For me, one of the sort of just the most basic, very simple types of, of things to work on is just close your eyes and focus inwards and just notice the breath exactly as it is. It doesn't need to be any different than it is. And just notice each of your inhales and each of your exhales. So just start out, notice the breath. And, exactly. Yeah. That, that's so interesting because notice the breath and don't do anything. The most fascinating part of that to me is always notice and don't do anything. Of course, you always do something. You right, notice. right, right. <laughs> so that's all you need to do, folks. Just that's do it, it and notice the breath. If you can do that once a day for one minute. Yeah. Or, or, or even give yourself a breath number. So just just notice ten inhales and ten exhales. Mm-hmm. Just you know. n- notice the breath. Yeah, Rebecca, do you have an idea with that? I'm sitting in my chair. No, I like that. I like um, the noticing um, and painting, being aware, um, and also noticing the breath um, in different situations as well. When you get into a situation that may feel stressful or tense, or if you just step back from it a little bit and notice the breath. And then watch how you um, react in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and generally, at least from my experience, that to sit, to be sitting in your chair, sort of calm and listening, and then focus on your breath is one experience. But then to try to remember to do that in a stressful situation uh, takes a lot of practice. Sure. Yeah. It takes practice. Yeah. So wow, that moves us on, doesn't it? Okay, now I've decided I'm going to stand. <laughs> what have you got for me with the breath if I'm going to stand? I I don't think it really matters what physical position you're in. It's, you know, it's just really about noticing and observing the breath without trying to do anything different than it already. So you might even be standing at the grocery store and notice it. Exactly. It, it doesn't matter. You could be standing on your head and you can just notice the breath. Oh, that's, that's a whole other matter. You yoga people stand on your head. <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> it, 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 like our physical, um, what, our physical positioning in space doesn't really make a difference. You could be one of. I like to encourage my students. Like it, they say, oh, I don't have time to sit and and watch my breath. I don't have time in my day to do that. But 
people wash dishes, people fold laundry. We do all kinds of, like, daily living types of activities. And people who have had loss do a lot of crying. Oh, they do a lot of crying, and that would actually be a very interesting. Like, I know I, like, w- one of the... One of the things that really sort of turned me around, I remember when, after, like, pretty much like maybe a, a week or two after, um, after my sister passed, I was like absolutely bawling hysterically. And then, like, my yoga teacher's voice came in my head, watch the breath, watch the breath. And it was, you know, that short, choppy, crying breath. And it, and it was so shallow. I was like, Oh, my God, you know, like just to be able to notice that and notice how shallow the breath is then gives you some power to control it. And then, oh, well, what happens if I deepen it a little bit and bring the breath into my belly and into my chest rather than just like panting and and sobbing? Yeah, however, that next thing is a big step, isn't it, between just watching it and trying to make change. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we're telling you that if you're in the first year, early time, you may just want to watch it. And exactly. maybe only for a second. Maybe you'll only watch the breath once after this show. But remember, I love that. Put that in their head. Watch yeah. the breath. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and even anyone who's listening right now, just as you're sort of listening, just close your eyes and really take a nice breath and just notice what's what's happening for you right now. Mm-hmm. And where does a nice breath come from? Well, in in general, it's a it's a th- a deep deep breath, and this actually starts to add to to the control of the breath, which is a little bit different than just observing it. It's a three part breath. So when you inhale, you bring the the breath right into the belly. So normally, how in the United States we're like sucking your gut. In yoga, you really sort of want to have it nice and fluid. So anatomically, the, there's a lot of all your digestive organs are right below the diaphragm. And when you relax the stomach a little bit, it allows the diaphragm to pull down just a little bit more to get a deeper breath. And then after the, the belly fills up, then the lungs can fill up with oxygen, and then you'll feel the chest and the collarbones gently lift. Yeah, so, and, and I like to sometimes, when I'm sitting in my chair right now, I'm putting my hand on my tummy and feeling it, that it can go out. Yeah, yeah. Because as you said, we're so programmed to hold our stomachs in. Right, especially like with just our social program, it's like, you know, you have to, you know, have a tight stomach and th- a six-pack abdomen with, you know, whatever, you know, and that whole sort of stereotype. But with yoga, you really want a nice fluid belly to, because there's all those digestive organs and the only way to get more air in there is to really let the, or- like, let the belly expand to get that, that diaphragm to, to lower a little bit more. And then it'll let the chest and the lungs fill so that the chest can lift up towards the, uh, the rib cage, I mean, towards the, uh, chin. I love and it. I'm doing it right now, aren't you, Rebecca? <laughs> I am. I am. I hope our whole audience is joining us in this. If anyone's sort of not getting it, go watch a baby. A baby, like when you watch a baby breathe, they use their whole body. Their like head moves and their feet move when they inhale and exhale. And we're trying to really get back to that breath, back to the breath of an infant, you know. Mm-hmm. And some people that just wipes out right now because they're thinking about their infant, and we know that. <laughs> right, right. We know that this is a difficult time. So, yeah, the breath, um, that's a wonderful, wonderful idea. Do you have any thoughts on that before we go to break, Rebecca? Well, I just had another question, Jason. So um, when you were on the kind of healing path uh, with yoga, um, did you first start, was the breath the first thing that you kind of realized that was going to help you through this difficult time? 
and then you moved more into other postures that helped, or was it other things? I mean, what was you? Um, I I would say well. Because it was the postures that sort of drew me to yoga, that physical, the physicality of it, um, I would have to say that drew me first. But in the healing process of after my sister passed, it was definitely the breath. Yeah. And when we come back from break, I, I, I can tie all of it together. So Good. All right. right. My husband, Hop, Hot Phil, just popped in, and he said, uh, my um, Rebecca's aunt and uh, Phil are listening to the show, and he said, Please, he is not a yoga person, and he said, would you please tell Aunt Margaret and I how someone who has never done yoga would get started? Yes, that's it. Well, I... Okay. He doesn't even know the word, you know, doesn't even know anything about it, but they like what they're hearing today. Okay, so the only way to, to get started is really to get started. Um, to find a yoga studio in your area or a yoga teacher in your area, um, that offers some form of beginner class. Um, the main point, beginner is key to me because you can really get discouraged. Yeah, I, I completely understand, and I sort of want to address that. Like one of the main sort of philosophies of yoga is just really is really starting where you are. So the, yoga is more populated in some areas and sort of less populated in others. Um, and so sometimes it may be challenging to find a class that sort of you know, that, that has different levels. Because I know when I first started taking yoga, I started taking in some sort of really advanced class and everything was completely over my head. But, with the, but knowing that I could work at my own level and I can ease up on postures and the teacher was giving enough variations so that even though I may not be able to do the full get my leg behind my head kind of posture, I was still working at my own level. You just scared me, Jason. <laughs> I, I'm a new person, and I got to put my foot behind my head. <laughs> I can't do it either, but that, but that's the kind of thing. Oh, uh, Rebecca, have you got any ideas on well, getting started? I love what I've I've heard from many teachers is that yoga is a practice. It's not a performance. It's not a competition. It's a practice, and you just like Jason said, you start from wherever you are, there you are, and that's where you start, and you go from there, and it's a practice, and it takes time and patience. And uh, I agree, finding a beginner class, someone that will take start with you very slowly. There are also some um, DVDs out if you're intimidated by going to a class. So you can kind of get the... There's some yoga on television. There's yoga on television. In the morning. So there, the, there are... You know, things you can do five or ten minutes. It doesn't have to be this hour, hour and a half commitment. Yeah, the only thing I would I would sort of worry against about as far as the DVD goes, because I've seen a couple of, I've had a couple of students come into my class who have only done yoga via DVD, and the, when they do some of the postures, they may be, they, they put their, like they may compromise their physical anatomy a little bit to get into some of the postures that they're learning on the DVD, where when you have an instructor, they can sort of help you uh, modify and make sure that your own body is safe because once you start to get into sort of bad habits, I want to say, um, or habits that are injurious to your body rather than helpful, then sometimes it's hard to break those. Yeah, right. I agree with that. Yeah. I know thousands of years ago when yoga began, it was taught one-on-one, teacher-to-student yeah. ratio. And now that's changed, especially since it's come, you know, here to the United States. So I do, but if people are feeling intimidated about going into a class, 
you know, it's a place to start, but I do agree with Jason. Yeah. It's important to be with a teacher. Yeah, find that word beginner because um, I will say if you've never done yoga, don't go with a friend who's going into an intermediate or advanced class, even though they say, oh, you can stop, you don't need to do the postures. It, you know, y- you'll just give it up, you know, if you've never done it before. And also remember that there are many, many different styles of yoga. I know Rebecca teaches a, probably a very different style than I teach. And so there are styles out there for everyone. There are styles that are a little bit more gentle. There are styles that are more physical. So if, like, one style doesn't really, you know, you don't connect with it, then find a different style because, you know, they're out there. You know, and Now for the people who don't want to do the gym thing and don't want to do it and don't really want to do yoga as a practice, we just gave you, I think, one of the best practices you can do without going into the whole thing, which uh, for those who've just joined us, say a little bit more about the breath, Jason. Yeah, so, I mean, as I said, for me, yoga is all about the breath. I mean, if you're, as long as you're moving with the breath, whether it's, as I say, washing dishes or walking down the street, you're doing yoga. You're you're connecting with your your greater spirit. Um, it, you don't have to be on a yoga mat, you know, doing all kinds of stuff. You can just be focusing on the breath and doing sort of what you do, and you're practicing yoga because it's more than just physical practice, physical asana, as we call it. And don't you uh-huh. love that? You can say to people, yes, I practice yoga. I breathe. I breathe, and <laughs> I focus on my breath, and I'm aware right. of my breath. And you are practicing yoga. Um, I've actually had some people, um, you know, I I taught one class at Compassionate Friends, and it was kind of fascinating because I'm not a teacher, but um, I, they just I just did it. But um, I realized that if you're really down and out, and you've had a tough day, and you're really grieving a lot, you can start with the last pose. You want to tell them what the last pose is? Shavasana, final relaxation. Right. And, and how do we do it? And we just lie on the floor. You extend your feet out onto the floor in front of you. You bring your palms to face the ceiling and just feel the earth beneath the body. And that's it. And that's a yoga pose. Yeah. And you can and start with that. If that's all you can do today, that's yeah, it. It's definitely, or just sit in your chair and close your eyes and notice the breath. That's, yeah, but that's I love the, I love laying on the floor flat. Yeah, there's also a whole practice called yoga nidra, which is like a sleepless sleep, which is pretty much like an, the, the physical posture of lying down on the floor is, is shavasana, but it's really a practice of what's called yoga nidra, which is really deep relaxation. Mm-hmm. So, um, you can, you can practice that alone, not, without connection to a whole physical asana practice. Mm-hmm. Or physical practice. So you could actually start with that. If you want to do two poses, you could do the breath. Right. And then you could do Shavasana. Exactly. And something exactly. that's nice to do in final Shavasana is to just scan your whole body and you know, focus on, okay, I'm going to relax my feet, I'm going to relax my ankles, and then just go through the whole body and name the body parts and say, I'm going to relax them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, or, or just even lying on the floor and... We all know where we have, like, physical issues, like, in the oh, I hold my tension in my shoulders. So really send the breath to wherever that, like, area is that, like, resonates with you, mm-hmm. where you hold your tension, where you hold all of the, you know, grief and pain, and just breathe into it and notice how the body will change. It, where change is inevitable. My shoulders just changed when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and just by sending the awareness initiates that transformation and change. 
Yeah, and you were going to talk a little bit um, about how you integrate everything together. Is that what you? Well, I, I wanted to sort of integrate the the whole idea of which postures sort of have helped me in my whole in my grieving process, and I also want to sort of connect it with the breath as well, and also to the title of our show because it actually works all very well together. So. The, the title of the show is Opening Your Heart with Yoga, which is a perfect answer to the question. So which postures would be more beneficial for helping the grieving process? And when I was grieving, I know my chest was all closed off. Like I drew my all of my energy within me, and I, I didn't want to be sort of bothered by anybody. And so... Um, the postures that I found so helpful for me to get out are, are m most of the heart-opening postures, which are, uh, you know, fish posture, which is a gentle back bend, or bridge posture, anything that allows the heart to open up. Um, so, you know, the two main ones were fish and bridge. You can do them supported. There's, I, there are ways of supporting it so that you're not, like, sort of really straining the body, but really giving into it, supported by, like, a bolster or a block. Any sort of gentle back bend um, really helps to open up the heart. And what it also helps to do on a physical level is it helps to deepen the chest breathing because what happens is that we have little muscles that connect our ribs together, and if they're tight, then it doesn't allow the chest the freedom to lift and give us that deep chest breath. And so when you are opening the back, you're really leaning into and you're, you're elongating those little muscles in between the ribs, and it will help you get a deeper breath. Um, so even just that little bit of movement, that little less resistance from the rib cage will help you open up your breath as well. So that definitely any of the back-bending postures... Are, were really helpful. Camel is another one. Mm -hmm. For those um, people who are doing yoga, so here's some good good ideas. Rebecca, do you have any that you especially like for oh, opening no, I the just, heart? Well, I agree with Jason with the, the heart openers, but uh, Jason, I was going to ask you, so after you would do those postures, would you feel a great sense of relief? Would it, would it bring up more emotion? Would it bring your emotions up to the surface? I mean, what? It, 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 it all depends. It all depends on the practice. I've had, I've had experiences of where the grief has been up. I've I've sort of have cried and then laughed, so it's really a, a really in the moment kind of thing. Um, what happens, you know, after, you know, because it's not just about the sort of the one posture, but the series of postures that you know have also come before and you know possibly after. So it's just really riding the wave of emotions that the, and riding the sensations, but both not only the physical sensations that come up, like if I notice, oh, my breath is tight just noticing that that's the case and breathing through it, um, but also noticing the emotional uh, roller coaster ride of, oh, I feel happy now, I feel sad, oh, I feel, you know, giggly, and whatever comes up. And then also then there's the thought process. So there's those mental thoughts that come up of, oh, you know, um, I'm thinking this right now. I'm thinking of Lauren. I'm thinking of, you know, how she passed and that type of stuff. So it's a whole connection of mind, emotions, and the physical body. You know, I'm thinking, Jason, when you're saying that, that when people are following the breath and do that, it's kind of a calming so they can think of how she died or whatever and not panic about it. Right, exactly, exactly. And they've done a lot of research. There, there was one uh, study in particular that they did where they had... Um, they, they had like meditators that are fo sit and focus on the breath um, meditating 
and they had them hooked up to uh, like biofeedback type equipment and so that they would uh, be able to record like their heart rate and their, um, you know, their skin responses. And then they fired a gun in the middle of the room to see what the reaction would be. And what, what happened is that when the gun went off, their, all of their stuff spiked up quickly and then just dropped back down to the same level that they were in, in their meditation state. So as opposed to people who weren't meditating and heard the gunfire, their, like, all their levels jumped up and stayed really high. So like, just that focus on the breath makes, allows you to have the reaction that you need but not totally let it continue to encompass you. So like, if you get sad, you let yourself be sad, you let the sadness come up, you cry, and then, you, then when that wave passes, then you let it like, sort of roll back out to sea. Mm-hmm. And so we, we all have those waves, but here is um, the, the folks that are grieving. Here's the idea of following the breath while you have the wave, to be actually doing kind of something, going with it. Right, absolutely, absolutely. And the breath is really sort of what, what, what makes it a little bit less scary to, you know, to ride that wave. Yeah, because you have a little focus, don't you? That's a, right, right. It's not just like someone's just going to throw you into the ocean and let you, you know, and see what happens. It's like you're going out sort of very in a controlled way. Yeah. Boy, I remember those uh, waves of grief. Remember those, Rebecca? I do, yeah. Um, Our topic, opening your heart through yoga, I just wanted to say something about that. I think our our hearts are so broken and so saddened, and I think we probably close up to protect them and to protect ourselves, and reopening them is quite a thought, isn't it, Jason? Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. And I want to say that that hearts may be saddened, um, but the idea of it being broken... Uh, we're not broken in any sense of the word because we may be at a spot that's kind of low, but there's always a way of healing, and healing may take any form, you know, lots of different forms. And the heart is an amazing organ. It's one of the few organs that's able to replace tissue, cell tissue. Yes, and it helps to really sort of nourish the whole body. And so when that's sort of closed off or, you know, or saddened, then, you know, a lot of other things happen because of that. Yeah, and we close off the breath. And the thing, I hope you've all been noticing the breath during this show because that's such a great idea. Well, Jason, I wanted to make sure we talked about your website and the practice that you have in Staten Island. It's actually, actually uh, our studio is in Cliffside Park, New Jersey. It's right by the George Washington, pretty close to the George Washington Bridge. Um, And the name of the... The studio is Shine Yoga Center, like sunshine, and our website is www.shineyogacenter.com. That's shineyogacenter.com. And if you send that a link to us, we'll put it on our uh, blog. Yeah, or if anyone wants to send me an email, if they could just remember jason at shineyogacenter.com, it goes right to us and... uh, Now, I know some of our folks might live around you and might uh, sign up for some of your classes or talk to you or ask what kind of classes you do, but also uh, you have uh, a a retreat coming up, right? Yes, we have a retreat coming up in May, and we're actually... um we're, we're gearing it specifically for, um, it's May 15th through the 18th, and we're gearing it specifically for dealing with loss. Um, because uh, I went to 
probably a while after Lauren had passed, I had gone to like a um, a self study retreat, and it was really really powerful in empowering myself, allowing me to sort of take ownership of my own experiences, and it really helped me quite a bit in learning why I do some of the things that I do. So. Um, I, we actually are working, my wife and I are working with one of the, the directors of that program to bring it. Um, and, is this and from Kapala? It, it is a Kapala program, but it, 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 we're, uh, we're actually um, gearing it towards the, specifically for grief and loss. So we're now taking, can I, I'm, a, I'm a beginner, can I come? I've never done yeah, that. Oh, it's, it's, there's only the physical practice of yoga is going to be very beginner. It's not really about the physical practice of yoga, but more about other sort of yoga practices um, that really help to empower you to um, to really have your own experience and own your own experience and really. Okay, give me those dates again. It's May fifteenth through the eighteenth. Okay, are you going to have a place for me to stay? Uh, I mean, can yeah, you recommend a place? Or? Right. Well, it's it, it's it's an all-encompassing retreat at at a place called the Menla Mountain Retreat and Conference Center in Phoenicia, New York. Oh wow, that sounds wonderful. Yeah, actually, the, when we went to the place, actually, the Dalai Lama spent about two weeks there, um, and which and they, it's just a really beautiful, beautiful, uh, beautiful retreat center, and the, it, we, we were really drawn to the the healing qualities of that retreat center. And so, you're going to focus on folks' grief and loss. Right, it's going to be specifically about, you know, about grief and loss and taking, um, taking some of the yoga practices and really, as I said, empowering yourself to allow yourself to feel what it is that you feel. And I can find out about it through Shine Yoga. Yeah, right, we're going to have it, it's not on our website yet, I'm probably maybe in the next day or so I'm going to be putting it up on our website. If you go to our happenings page, it'll be right on our happenings page, a little bit more information about the, the, um, the retreat itself. Oh, sounds like a wonderful way to get started. Well, oh, before we um, end the show, we've got to get polarity therapy, right, Rebecca? Yes, I wanted to hear more about the polarity uh, therapy or training that, um, Jason, that you do. Yeah, so polarity therapy is a form of energy healing that actually uh, focuses a lot on the same energetic principles as yoga. Um, and so kind of what I was talking about earlier about there being this mental realm and an emotional realm and a physical realm, there's a step-down process that happens. So, so when, we, um, when we are sort of processing our energy, we have like a sort of thought that comes up. So a thought may be... I don't know, something like, uh, something that I'm dealing with, like I'm heavy or something like that. So the thought may be like, oh my God, I'm fat, I have to lose 10 pounds. And we all go through sort of, like many different thoughts that run through our mind. And then what happens is that that thought sort of generates an emotional response. Like, oh my God, I feel really bad about myself. I, yeah, I have to lose 10 pounds, but now I feel really depressed about myself. I really feel really sad. I feel really you know, whatever it is that you feel. And then it steps down even further into like a physical response of, oh, I feel heavy. So then you've got the thought of, you know, I have to lose 10 pounds so I feel sad to my body is heavy. And then we sometimes we'll get into these like energetic cycles which are really challenging to break out of. So then that physical sensation of heaviness may lead to eating which, which may justify the heavy, heavy feeling. So all of these sort of things are sort of floating and whirling around and sometimes it's really challenging to make sense out of any of this. So um, what polarity therapy does is it helps, it, it 
involves verbal self-awareness and energetic touch um, to help each person make sense of their of their own patterns. Wow. Now, will you be covering that a bit um, May 15th through the 18th? That, no, the, the polarity therapy is a specifically an individual therapy. It's not something oh. that really can be done in group. It's really a one-on-one basis. So if you want to know something about it more than that, you'll have to get in touch with Jason through jason at, at shineyogacenter.com. Great. Well, Jason, it's time to close our show, and I want to thank you so much for being on. It's been fantastic, hasn't it, Rebecca? Yeah, I've really enjoyed uh, listening to what Jason's had to say today about yoga. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.